There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. As a podcast listener, you've heard from us before. Today, let's hear from our members about what online therapy has done for them. I would recommend my therapist 1,000 times over. She has truly changed my life. The day after my first session, my friends and family said I sounded like myself again for the first time in weeks. You deserve to invest in your well-being. Visit BetterHelp.com to see what it can do for you. That's BetterHelp.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 25 with Philip Collins on the art of public speaking. I'm Progress Deputy Editor Connor Pope and I'm joined by Director Richard Angel and Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd to reflect on that discussion. So in the podcast this week, we discussed with Philip Collins, the Times columnist and former speechwriter to Tony Blair, the importance of oratory, what makes a good speech, why they're important, and how to rise to the occasion. Monday night saw some remarkable speeches from members of the Labour movement. A rally in Parliament Square protested against growing anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and a number of Labour MPs spoke movingly to the assembled protesters. So how were these speeches received. Stephanie, you you were one of the people there. I think the speeches were received um, very well. I think there were a couple that particularly stood out to me. I think the first was Luciana Berger um, Mm -hmm. in her speech. She was it was so moving in the sense that um, it was very personal about what she's experienced within the party and also the the kind of damage that it's causing to the relationship with the Jewish community and and the Labour Party, which has always has obviously been her natural home, and the kind of the level of anti-Semitism that she has received um, and has even received since uh, the rally um, on Monday, which is just uh, outrageous. And I think and, and incredible also to think that in the last year someone has been jailed for sending anti-Semitic death threats to Luciana Berger. Yeah, that is remarkable. That 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 was so kind of um, well publicised and that it would still be a thing. Absolutely. And I think Wes Streeting uh, also gave the most phenomenal speech. Uh, and I think the thing that I really took away from that, and I think Richard, you were saying the same as well, was it's not just for Jewish members within the Labour Party to be calling out on this. It is on every single one of us to root this out um, in terms of, of the anti-Semitism that is currently thriving within the Labour Party, which I think is the most shameful thing on this. So what kind of thing did Wes pick up on them in his speech? Well, Wes was talking about the reality for Jewish people and what it's become, that there is a pattern that is emerging in the Labour Party that unless they are basically dragged out in the press in some way, the anti-Semitism that happens, it doesn't seem to get dealt with. Unless it becomes a kind of political problem for mm-hmm. the Labour Party, it doesn't. That the Shami Chakrabarti report, which still goes unimplemented, has in reality become a kind of whitewash for this because it was it is used as a symbol that we are acting in some way without being implemented. 
And that seems to be the worst of all worlds. But also, he spoke in really frank terms. You know, it was the mainstream Jewish community have never called a rally of that kind against a major political party in this country. They did so with less than 48 hours notice because it took the leader of the Labour Party, who does have a good history on being anti-racist, four attempts to say sorry for siding with the artist, quote marks, <laughs> of a racist mural over the Jewish community who were trying to get it removed. And for that, that you know, people are prepared to accept that was an error of judgment. The fact it took him four attempts to say sorry feels problematic. So Jewish people were there. And I think it's fair, there was a really brilliant piece out in The Guardian this week that was like, it was a, lots of those people had not been on a demo recently. <laughs> But this felt really important. And there was a a sense of surprise they might have to be there and a real anger that has come to this. And I think Wes reflected that anger back into the public in a way that when he spoke not just to them but for them and in a way that suggested that there was resolve by people that weren't doing it. And the bit that stuck with me is he spoke directly to the Jewish people who've left the Labour Party and said, I'm sorry that you felt you had to do that. And I will take on the responsibility, along with my colleagues, to get the Labour Party back into a state where you feel you can rejoin. Now, sadly, I think some of them will never rejoin because once they've broken that tie, they will feel emotionally unable to. But that is now our task. And it was the publication launch of uh, the Chakrabarti report a couple of years ago that uh, Ruth Smith, a Jewish Labour MP, was um, kind of abused with an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory of course, which which was a kind of remarkable moment in itself. Was she speaking on Monday night? No, Ruth didn't speak at there, but she's got a brilliant piece in the New Statesman uh, this week talking about, you know, this used to be the place where anti-racists rallied in the Labour Party, but now anti-Semites are, are actively joining... And the fact there was a counter demo and yeah, stuff. Yes, so there was, was a counter. There was a counter demo from Jewish Voice, Voice for Labour, which proclaimed that this is all just a conspiracy against Jeremy Corbyn. It's all a right wing smear to try and you know uh, defame Jeremy. So they held a counter protest at the same uh, on the same venue on, on Parliament Parliament Square, um, and made it very clear that they were there to support Jeremy and the fact he could never do this. And I think actually, when we talk about action and what they can do, I mean, the fact that Jeremy has not denounced the fact that they were there in his name to protect him, I think is even the first indicator of something that he could do to try and make it very clear that he removes himself from from that group. And that's partly why speeches that touch on those personal elements like Luciana's are so important and what makes a kind of really incredible speech at moments like that and and how things can rise to the occasion. But obviously, as we kind of touched on there, it's not just about words, but also actions. And, and Richard, you had 10 immediate steps that the Labour Party could take to start tackling anti-Semitism on the Progress website this week. I did. I started my first grown-up job working for the all-party group on combating anti-Semitism. So this is some stuff that I've looked at over the years. And there are things that if the party were minded, they could do and they need the political will to do it. So things like, I mean, the obvious one is tell Ken Livingstone he's out, he's never coming back and he ain't welcome at any Labour Party meeting, leaders office event or affiliated trade union events ever again. There's other things they could do reaffirming 
the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance's definition on anti-Semitism. That's really important. Just recently, a Holocaust denier was a Labour Council candidate and it took 10 months to get him out of the Labour Party. We've got to be really clear about that. And also, and this speaks to what Steph was saying, Jeremy Corbyn and his office, obviously not the man himself, but his office and his resources, the short money that they have at their disposal, should set up Corbyn Against Hate as a Twitter account and a Facebook profile. And every time one of these people does it in his name with a Jeremy Corbyn or a Momentum or a For The Many Twibbon and says something to one of our Labour MPs, Jewish activist councillors, it should reply with a simple message. Delete your tweet or delete your Twibbon. You don't do it in my name. And just make absolutely clear to these people with Jeremy Corbyn's authority, I don't want you speaking for me. Take off your sticker, take off your emblem. You are not Labour when you're saying these things. So either change your mind or get out. He's the leader of the Labour Party. He needs to show leadership on this issue. And it's about action. Really is, really is. Now, one of the other ones, you can read all of them on the website. As I said, there'll be a link underneath. But one of them actually was about words as actions, which, which is a really interesting idea. One of the things that you suggested was that Jeremy Corbyn could give a big speech about anti-Semitism on the left, the history of anti-Semitism in this country, and why he thinks it exists in the way that it does today, and setting out essentially how he's going to tackle it in future. What might that speech look like? So the Board of Deputies and the Jewish Leadership Council who called the rally in their very strong and brilliant letter to the PLP said, the thing about Jeremy Corbyn, he has such credibility with many of the people that are, are doing this that he can be part of the solution. And one of the things he needs to do is to talk about anti-Semitism as a phenomenon. The thing about anti-Semitism, not only is it the world's oldest hatred, it morphs like a virus through the ages. It's been associated with communism and capitalism at its best and its worst, with Christianity and all other religions. You know, it really has kind of morphed through the ages and it currently is finding host in parts of the hard left who have a either worldview about the role of powerful Jews and rich and bankers or whatever, which is appalling and, and wrong and uses that anti-Semitic trope or is aligned to this kind of view of the West, not West, of which... America, Britain and Israel seem to fall uh, on the same side and therefore uh, as the aggressor. And what Jeremy Corbyn can do is talk about not only the history of anti-Semitism, how it morphs itself, its current manifestations. And, you know, all of us here could write thousand words essays critiquing the Israeli state, the Israeli government and the occupation of the West Bank or, or the blockade of Gaza. There are so many reasons to criticise what they're doing. None of them need to be anti-Semitic. But occasionally, and far too often, people use either outright anti-Semitism or anti-Semitic tropes to critique either the Israeli state, the government, or the occupation. And none of them are acceptable. And Jeremy Corbyn can and should make that distinction, show himself to not just be the leader at the rally on these things, but the intellectual leader of this mode of thought that can be clear that you can spend your life campaigning for the rights of Palestinians and you can spend your life disagreeing with Israeli government policy, but you cannot, should not, at any point, include anti-Semitism in that because it is just wrong, it is racism, and we wouldn't stand for it if it were any other group. And it is time it got sorted out. And his authority on that is so important that he must use it. He must spend some of the political capital he's got 
to sort this issue out. And I believe he can. And I believe he should do it in front of a Jewish audience because he should do it to seek. It should be acceptable to a Jewish audience. And, but it should be speaking directly to his supporters. I think we probably need to move on there before we wrap up the show. So quickly, I'll move on to um, the political pub quiz question that I ask every week. Um, this week, I asked which regular household item John F. Kennedy would never travel without as president. Did either of you know the answer to this? I did not know the answer, no. <laughs> I think, shocking. <laughs> shocking. We're so good at these quizzes. <laughs> but the I, Twitter did. Yeah, no, the... Um, the Twitter. I, the Twitter. I, the answer well, the was... the listeners. The listeners. John F. Kennedy was so obsessed with his um, personal weight that he would take battering weighing scales with him wherever he went, which um, I think post-Easter might be... <laughs> oh my God, I'm back on Weight Watchers. I need to... That's what I, I was in the shops the other day. I was like, oh, I've got, I've got to weigh myself. Oh no, I'm giving... I've quit smoking. I'm giving myself the chocolate over Easter. <laughs> well uh, done for quitting smoking. Uh, that is officially endorsed by this podcast, exactly. your quitting of smoking. Anyway, Adrian Sharp and Riyad Issa both got that right. Riyad added, I need a progress mug in my life with several exclamation marks. So do what send your... Guy. Do send your addresses to office at progressonline.org.uk and we will make sure... We get one in the post for you. Remember to send in any comments and questions, leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Progressive Britain will be back on Tuesday next week, examining how artificial intelligence can be used to tackle inequality. Happy Easter. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>